Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, these are messages from our midweek service with some leaders in our church, Jason Lopez, Enrique Lizarraga, and Johnny Alcaraz. Enjoy these messages. I just want to start off in prayer before I go any further. Father God, I just thank you tonight, Lord. I pray, Father, you help me to decrease so you could increase, Father God. Fill my lips to share your word tonight. I pray that someone is edified in the name of Jesus. Amen. Tonight we're going to start off in 1 Peter 5, 6 through 8. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. In James 4, 7, it says, So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We are talking about humility. Being humble is so vital. It is so important, and yet at times it can be so hard to do. Or am I the only one? Humility is so important in our walk. It is our, in our personal well-being, in our peace, in order for ourselves, in our homes, in our jobs, in our family, to our relationships. It brings peace and order here even in our church. Humility is an act of godliness. Let's look at what humility can look like. I'm struggling in this area. I'm going to ask for help. I'm willing to change. I'm going to learn from my mistakes. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to confess my sins. I'm going to repent. I'm going to ask God to forgive me. I'm going to allow God in. I'm tired of holding this stuff in, and I'm going to walk up to the altar when pastor opens it up. I'm going to be willing to take correction and direction. I'm going to be accountable. Humility is I'm finally going to forgive the person that hurt me. I'm going to love those that maybe don't love me. I'm going to be polite to others even when they're not polite to me. I'm going to say I'm sorry. I'm going to say I'm sorry when I'm wrong. I'm going to finally forgive that person that took advantage of me. I'm going to finally let it go and I'm going to let God have it all. I'm going to rejoice when I see others get recognized and prosper, even if it's not me. I'm going to be willing to help others that are in need. I'm going to be more of a listener. I'm going to be more gentle, more kind, more understanding to my spouse. Let's see what scripture says about Jesus is the greatest and most perfect example of humility that ever lived. In Philippians 2.8 it says, He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. He was perfect. He was God in the flesh. Yet he came to be a servant to others. Jesus said in Mark 10.45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. John 13, 5 says, And he poured water in a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel he had around him. Let's jump to verse 15. Jesus says, I have given you as an example to follow. Do as I do. You see, humility is putting others before yourself. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-5 says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous, boastful, or proud, or rude. It does not demand on its own. It is not irritable and keeps no record of being wronged. Colossians 3, 12 through 13. I'm going to skip to 13. Bear each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. You see, humility, I'm finally going to show forgiveness. Those that have hurt me, and I know, trust me, I know. I know it's hard. Trust me. But that's where the freedom comes. 
I'm going to show love to others even if they don't give it back. I'm going to be polite to others even if they're not polite to me. I'm going to show mercy and grace just as the Lord showed me. And I know, trust me, I know it's hard. I know. When you're humble, people want to be around you. People trust you. People listen to you. People, uh, when you're humble, you will bring peace. You'll bring peace. I'm sorry. You'll bring encouragement. You'll uplift others above yourself. You will have clarity. You will have peace. When you're humble, it allows restoration, edification, and healing. But there is another side to all this, and it's called pride. And the Bible says in Proverbs 16, 8 through 19, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Better to live humbly with the poor than to share plunder with the proud. Proverbs 11, 2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Proverbs 16, 5, the Lord detests the proud. They will surely be punished. Let's see what pride looks like now. Pride will make you no longer content with what you have. It will cause you to want what others have. Pride makes you think everyone else is wrong. It makes you tell, it makes you tell others everything's good when it's really not inside. Pride isolates you. It lies to you. It will cause you to lie to others. Pride will cause you to disagree with the truth. Pride will hinder your learning because you have all the answers. You're a know-it-all. You're a theologian in your mind. Pride wants you to be in control. And I know... I know what I'm doing. Mind your own business. Pride can lead you to have anger inside, which can lead you to say some pretty messed up things. Things maybe at one time you never thought you would say and that you can't take back. It can lead you to have an anger inside, which can lead you to do some pretty messed up things. Things that maybe at one time you never thought you would do and that you just can't take back. Pride makes you start pointing out flaws in others. It allows you to say that you're not, it doesn't allow you to say you're wrong. It keeps you from repenting. Pride will give you the attitude, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Pride will have you church hop. Pride will have you run from accountability. Pride will keep you easily offended. It will stop you from asking for help. Pride will keep you bound, depressed, resentful, and in an unforgiving place. I just can't forgive him or I just can't forgive her. Friend, you're hurting yourself with that kind of attitude. Pride can mess up our lives before we even realize there is a struggle. Pride can be the deadly force behind many actions from having a lack of compassion, kindness, respect to being mentally, physically, and emotionally abusive to others to the destruction of marriages, family, relationships, friendships, and even ministries. Pride always leads to destruction, Proverbs 16.8. Nothing good comes from pride. So why do I say all this? Why this out of all things I could say? 1 Peter 5.6, where we started, says, Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. Verse 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him. Verse 8 says, Be alert of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. You see, when you are prideful, we allow ourselves to be vulnerable for the enemy to attack us, to distract us, to cloud our judgment, to lie to us, to stop us from growing, from maturing, from forgiving, or even for asking for forgiveness, from being kind to others. We went through a whole lot of the, through my list, not my list, but this list. And trust me, there's a lot more. There's a whole lot more to pride. I want to encourage you to stay humble, to forgive, to call someone. Maybe that's someone that rubbed you the wrong way. 
Ask for forgiveness. Be kind to others. Encourage others. Love others. Ask God to strengthen you. Stay in your word. Stay in prayer. My heart's desire is to be close to you, Lord. So help me not to be my selfish pride. Let it get in the way. I will end with this. The best act of humility ever. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I just want to pray right now. I just want to pray for each and every one of you, you online. Maybe you're going through things. Maybe you just can't forgive. Maybe you've been holding something for years. I don't know what it is. But if there's just something I ask you right now, just let it go. Give it to God. Allow God to take it. Oh, his burden, he'll take it from you, whatever it might be. So I'm, I'm just going to pray right now. Father God, I ask right now, Lord, for each and every person here tonight, Lord, that you just touch them in a mighty way, Lord. I pray for restoration, Father God. I pray against that lie of pride, Father. I pray right now that we will walk in humility, Lord. I pray, Father God, that we will walk in the newness of which you declared upon our life, Father. I come against every lie and ski of the enemy right now, Lord. All his tricks, Father God. I thank you right now, Lord. Continue to have your way, Father. I praise you right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Another great word, Jason. Amen, church. Uh, we're in a series of, of choices. And tonight, I decided to stay in that uh, spot of, of choices. But I started realizing that, um, you know, the church is kind of full. So you guys made a choice of being here. And there's times, I started thinking about that. There's times that we make choices, we're not even thinking about it. You know, you walk by the donut in the morning at work, you grab the second donut, <laughs> knowing that you shouldn't be getting that donut. Or, or, or you start doing, making quick decisions not realizing the effect that was going to happen. And tonight, um, you know, life throws curveballs to everybody, to us, you. And tonight I want to talk about King David. He had a few curveballs thrown in his life. And, and when I, you know, I like reading this verse because it reminds me that God is still in control no matter what's going on in your life. And I'm going to read, pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight, Lord. Father, we thank you for everything you're doing. Lord, I pray that you anoint my lips, Lord, to speak your word boldly and correctly, Lord. Prepare our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 3 to 8. I'm going to read. Um, when David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they couldn't weep no more. David, two wives... Um, were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk about stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then he said to the priest, bring me the ephod. So the priest bought, brought him the ephod. And David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them and you will surely recover everything that was taken from you. You know, David was li living a daily life. And I kind of relate to this story because I understand going, being in the military, going out, going in the field, coming back, expecting a, a warm shower, a hot meal, because when you're in the field, there's none of that. You know, it's just you're living like a dog. 
but, but I started thinking about that. David and his men were coming back from battle. And the thing is that they were living their daily life. You know, and how many knows that, um, that the enemy will come and try to rob things when you're not least suspected? David was coming expecting to have that warm shower with his family. But when he came back, the enemy came and, and destroyed that. John 16, 33 says, I have said these things to you, that, it may, that you may have peace, and in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. See, David was anointed. He was prophesied, and, and they, he was the next man to be king. And I started thinking about that. In our lives, you know, some of us have been prophesied. God has spoken over our lives. Things that, you know, we have visions. But situations that hit our lives, we start doubting, you know, if, if that calling is really my calling. You start guess, wondering if God is really going to restore my home. Is God really going to restore my kids? But what grabbed my attention is that how they handle their problems under the emotional state. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6 to 7 says this. David was now in a great trouble because his men were all bitter about losing their children and they were threatening to stone him. But the Lord his God gave him courage. David said to the priest, bring me the ephod. You know, when I read this, these guys were not just regular guys. These guys were David's men. And one thing that I know is that in the military, when you're out in the field, when you go overseas, you form a band of brotherhood. And it's a thing that these guys would have died for David in the field. If David would tell them, hey, do something, they wouldn't even question him. They would do it because they knew, they knew that they had to protect him no matter what. But these brave men allow their emotions to get the best of them. See, but David was in a great danger. And I started putting my place in, in David's life. Because these were his comrades talking about hurting him. He lost his two wives. He lost his home. And all this happened when he was trying to do good. You know, David was trying to... David was just living. You know, I started thinking about, you know, we come to church... We serve, and, and trials to hit our lives. And sometimes, you know, it, it catches off, off balance, and we're like, man, what's going on here? And, but what grabbed my attention is that these men reacted against David bad. But see, David had a choice. David realized that his decision would affect what was going to happen next to him. But David had a choice. He could have done many things, but he decided to seek God in the midst of his situation. Tonight, church, how many of us react like David or react like their man? When the enemy comes and attacks our lives, are, are, are we running accusing people? Or, or are we seeking God for, for um, direction in our lives? See, David asked the priest for, for the... Ephod. At first, I thought the ephod was the shofar, but then, but I started looking into it. But it, it was a coat that that he put on, and I started thinking about that. Because you know, when we go through trials, 
I, you know, the thing to do is get in your word, start praying. And, and, and there's a thing that I started putting a little fast-paced music, worship music. Because, you know, as God was, tell, was telling me, like, hey, you know, it's cool, you know, the, the, the nice songs, the slow songs. He goes, but, but you, need to, you, know, you need to change the step a little bit in, in your feet. He goes, you got to know that, that you have victory. And how many of us know that we have the victory at the end of the See, the thief, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I came that they may have life and abundantly. See, church, he came that we will have life and abundantly. You know, when I read these words, it kind of reminds me of a battle cry. Because, see, we could, we could sit there and complain of what's going on in your life. But, again, you could play that worship music. And, you know, you know that beat kind of start moving your feet. You know, you start, you know, I don't dance, but, but you know what? In my, own, in my own time, I do dance by myself. <laughs> I have two left feet. But it's a thing that, 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 that's been always my, my cry to God. Like, hey, God, you know what? I just want to dance in your presence. And it's a thing that David knew that that's the place to be. See, you may be in a place where the enemy has rubbed everything under your feet. You may be in a place where, where all you see is darkness. But let me know, God, God is still on the throne. David, so David stood behind, and he got up and went to, get, went to go get what the enemy stole from him. Tonight, church, you have a choice. Either stay where you're at, or go back to the enemy's camp and get what he snatched from you. You see, God has already given it to you. God has already, you know, the, the situation may look weird. And may say, you know what, they're getting worse. They're not getting better. But, but know that, that God, God has the best for you. And I want to leave you guys with this. Isaiah 58, verse 11, 12. It says this. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in the sun-scorched land. It will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose water never fails. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up an age-old foundation. You'll be called repairs of broken walls, restorers of the street with dwelling. You know, that's my prayer for, for my friends and, and my family, that we'll be restorers, that God will use us and be restorers of what the enemy is trying to rob us from our family members. And, Amen, church. Thank you. Amen. Come on, God is good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit, God. Thank you that you allow us to be here tonight, God. Thank you for your grace and mercy, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we're doing better than we deserve. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, running with purpose. That's, what I, that's the title of my message. And uh, first of all, I uh, love you, Jen. Thank you. Uh, shout out to my wife. And I'm shouting around because she's my better half. But um, it's funny because it's actually because of my wife and, uh, and my brother, Jesse Gonzalez, that I actually recently took up running. And uh, before I used to, I hated running just to run. I didn't want to run. I like to play basketball. I like to play. I like to run with a purpose, right? To score a goal. I mean, score a basket, score a run, score a touchdown, whatever. I hated running. 
But now I actually, I, I really enjoy it. And believe it or not, I've, I've been able to, there's some things that I've been able to learn um, that are applicable to my, to my daily life now through running. And so one of the things that, I, well, a couple of things that I've learned is, uh, I've learned that running requires training and discipline. Uh, in the process of running, I've, I've, but I've also experienced pain, fatigue, and not wanting to go anymore, right? Wanting to stop, wanting to quit, wanting to give up. Especially around that third mile, I'm like, I don't want to run no more. <laughs> wanting to quit in the middle of a run. But I, found, I have found that my favorite part in running is when I finish. There is a great blessing in that. And there is a, a relief when we finish. And I love how Paul the Apostle, he uses uh, uh, the Olympics and the, the games back in the day. He uses an, uh, this analogy um, uh, of believers to stay in the race and keep their eyes on the prize. What's the prize? The prize is Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 26, Paul says, Don't you realize that in every race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. And so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step, and I'm not just shadow boxing. And so... I want to encourage you. There's three things that I want to, that I want to highlight that is going to help you to finish the race. How many want to finish the race, right? How many we want to finish the race? We want to finish strong. And so one of the things that is going to help us is we have to be disciplined. We have to live lives of discipline. It's funny because people will say, well, I'm not very disciplined. And I always use, I use this analogy a lot. But you're disciplined to watch your TV show. Right, you're disciplined to, uh, you know, go to hey the, the hey the football game's on. I got to be in front of the TV at an eight thirty, but you come to church at nine thirty anyway. That's neither here nor there. But we have to be disciplined. A couple of things that we got to be disciplined in is one is we have to be disciplined in reading God's word. How else are you going to fight the enemy if you don't know God's word? If you don't know God's promises in your life? If you you have to read His word? If you don't know how? If you don't understand it, the Bible says, "Ask God, ask the Holy Spirit." When you read, Lord, help me to understand what I'm reading. Get into a connect group. Ask your connect group leader. Amen. We don't know it all, but we what we really I love when people ask me about things about the Bible. A sign of maturity. Um, how is your prayer life? Right? How is your prayer life? Anyway, that's a question that you guys can answer yourself. <laughs> because each one of you know how your prayer life is. Uh, do you set apart time for Him? For the Holy Spirit? Right? There's times I, I find that we, sometimes we can just be gimme, 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 gimme. Sometimes just... Let the Holy Spirit minister to you. There's times in my living room, I let the Holy Spirit minister to me. And I spend time with Him. And I just let Him just pour out His grace, His mercy on me. Right in the middle of my living room. Sometimes we got to do that. Another discipline is coming to church. And, and I'm glad that everyone made the choice today to be here tonight. Amen. And you have to come to church. The Bible says not to forsake the assembly of the saints. Right? There's no low rangers in the kingdom. You cannot do it yourself. You need God, but you need other believers to help and strengthen you because iron sharpens iron. Amen. I love what Pastor Omar said on Sunday is that uh, another thing that helps us is we have to predetermine what we're going to allow in our lives. That's a discipline. We have to de predetermine if we're going to allow uh, certain people, certain individuals, certain things in our life. We have to predetermine that. Amen. The second thing is, in order to win the, to, to, to run the race, right, to finish the races, you got to stay away from sin. Say sin. 
sin. The thing about sin is that we're naturally, our flesh, our flesh goes everywhere with us, right? And so that, if you get disciplined, you'll be able to stir, stay away from sin. Check out what Hebrews uh, 12, 1 through 2 says. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw everything off that hinders and the, and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith see the writers of Hebrews is reminding people and it's a reminder to you too because God's word is not just for them it's for us as well but it's a reminder saying that heaven is cheering you on that there is people that the people that were in the faith from years ago that are cheering you on maybe loved ones that that passed away in the faith that are in heaven cheering you on saying you can do it see that I remember this I remember the day that I came to Christ I remember feeling when I came to Christ I came to this altar actually it was over there but I came to the altar and I repented. I gave my, I said, Lord, I'm tired. I'm, I'm weary. I, don't, I can't do this no more. And I repented and I asked God to forgive me for my sin. And, and it's crazy because there was this weight that was lifted off of me, a weight that I can't understand. You guys know what I'm talking about if you've accepted Christ. There's this supernatural weight that you didn't know you had that Christ lifts off of you. But I understand what that weight, weight was. It was the sin that I had been carrying, the sin that I had been dabbling, the sin that has been, that been plaguing my life for, for 28 years. I got saved when I was 28. That was so heavy on me. But when I came to Christ and I repented, the sin was, the sin was lifted off. And now there was a weight. There was a freedom. And I was able to, to lift my hands. There was a joy that's unexplainable. Because sin is heavy and it will hold you down. Sin is heavy and it will hold you down. The author is saying, in order to stay in the race, stay away from sin. What does that look like? Well, anything that entangles you, right? Anything that, that, that will pull you away from God. Sometimes, I've, I had to do this when I first got saved, because I had to cut off family members. Not that I didn't love them. Not that I didn't care for them. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't go back to the parties, because next thing you know, I found myself in the party. And so... And I used to, anyways, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. But you might have to cut off for a family, you know, family, friends. So, some of you, 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 you're going to places that you, you shouldn't go. And then you wonder why you're, 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 you're going backwards and there's no freedom and you're feeling, you know, and you're feeling condemned. The enemy is the one that's, con God doesn't bring, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But you got to get away from the sin. You got to run. The Bible says to flee from sin. Flee from sin. Be intentional. I love what Pastor Omar said on Sunday. He says, stay away from the fence. Right? Think about it. And only you can answer this. Are you, do you, do you see how close you can get to the fence? If you got to ask, can I do this? Then you're probably, then you, you need to get right. The third thing is, to, uh, that something that's going to help us is, is you have to keep your eyes on Jesus. You have to keep your eyes on Jesus, the prize. And I understand that during this race in life that there are times where we want to quit. There are times where we get tired, right? We get fatigued. Uh, we might be in pain. But can I tell you, you cannot stop. Please do not stop. Don't give up. There's people in heaven that are cheering you on. I'm cheering you on. Your pastor's cheering you on. Your families are cheering you on. Your kids are cheering you on. Don't give up. Don't give up. You see, I've learned that when you have your eyes fixed on Jesus, you're, you're not going to need to look to the left or to the right. All you have to do is continue to look up. 
And just remember that there is a great cloud of witnesses that are cheering you on, saying, you can do this, you got this, come on. I'm reminded of when Peter uh, walked on water, right? We all know that story, when Peter walked on water. And the funny thing is the moment that, what happened? The moment he took his eyes off of Jesus, what happened to him? He began to sink. He began to fall. And, and we're no different than Peter. Peter was an awesome man of God. Peter literally walked with Jesus, literally had lunch with Jesus, literally was discipled firsthand by Jesus. And yet he took his eyes off of Christ and he fell. He began to sink. And so when you take your eyes off of Christ, guess what? You're going to fall. You will seek. You cannot do this without. You need Christ. You need the Holy Ghost. And so we need to be people that run with purpose. Run with purpose. And so I have a, just like I always do, I usually have a lot of questions that I want to throw back at you that you, only you can answer, right? And I always say this is that um, you can fool me, you can fool pastor, you can fool your leader, you can fool your spouse, you can fool your children, you can fool everybody. But you can, there's two people that you can never fool. One is yourself, never fool yourself, right? Because you know the truth and you can never fool God. And so there's a couple questions that, that, I, that I want to ask you and, and answer this to, your, to yourself. Or, amen. One is, are you seeking him? Are you seeking him? You know, the good thing about God's word is God says he, he blesses those who diligently seek him. He rewards those that diligently seek him. And so are you seeking him? The second thing is, are you struggling with sin? What sin are you struggling with in your life? Right? Now, there is something called intentional sin. Purposely sinning. And that's when you know that you're not supposed to be doing something, but you're doing it anyway. And what you're doing is you're taking God's grace and you're saying it's no good. And you're actually dealing, you're, you're, you're on your way to hell if you keep acting it, doing that. And to playing with God's grace. God loves you. 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 9, I'm not going to read it, but it says that do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. He cannot be mocked, right? He, he gives a whole list of people that worship idols, the sexual immoral, the homosexuals, uh, the drunkards, the greedy, the, the abusive, the people that cheat will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so if you say, I, got that, I have that sin in my life, then you need all you, and the great thing about God is, is that we, he gives us an opportunity to repent. To repent. The Bible says he wishes no one perish, that no one perishes, but that we all come to repentance. That we all come to repentance. And if you can hear my voice, then God is saying, and if you're dealing with any of this, God is saying, you have another chance. I'm giving you another chance. What are you going to do with it? Are you choosing heaven? Or are you going to choose hell? That's on you. And so... I understand that we live in this broken world, world that's crazy. Temptations are everywhere, right? But if we, if we say, if we discipline our lives, get a hold of God, run from sin, and keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, friend, this world is just temporary. It's just a temporary world, right? We get, what, maybe if we're lucky, 70, 80 years compared to eternity, that's a long time. I don't know about you, but I, I want to spend eternity with the Lord. 
and I want to finish the race strong. Paul says in Timothy, he, he tells Timothy, I've, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. And, and I, I want to hear those words when I'm done. Good, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter, not depart from me. And so if I could just have every, every um, head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. God, you're so good. God, that you love us in, our, in all our imperfections, God. And even in our sin, God, you, you care for us. You love us, God. One of, one of God's promises is found in the book of Romans, and it says that if we confess with our, our mouth and believe with our hearts that God rose Jesus Christ from the grave, that we will be saved. And that's a promise. That's a promise. And so tonight, I, know, I don't know where you're at. I don't know. I just know that it's not an accident that you're here. I know that the Holy Spirit is what drew you here. But I just want to encourage you. You might say, man, I, I'm, I'm, I know that I'm not living for Christ. I know that I'm rejecting Christ. But I want to make it right tonight. I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to say yes to eternal life. And if that's you, and you would say, I'm going to do that without even hesitating, lift your hand up in the air right now. There's one hand one brave soul there's another one there's another one God loves you God cares for you he loves you so much the Bible says that he went to the cross for you for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him and tonight Jesus the Holy Spirit is in this place and God says I want to I want to save you I, I've died for you So if that's you, you say, I, I, I want to accept Christ in my life. Slip up your hand. You might be, you might know and tasted the goodness of God before. And so you've heard this before. You've accepted Christ before. You know God's goodness. You know God's promises. But you're backslidden. You're, you're, you're away from God. You know that you're not living for God. And I want to encourage you. Would you lift your hand and say, you know what? I want to make it right tonight. I need to make it right tonight. I'm done playing games. I'm done playing games. There's no time to play games. What happens if the, ha the rapture happens tonight? Are you ready to go? Is there oil in your lamp? Are you ready to go if the rapture happens tonight? Ask yourself. So if that's you and you say, man, I, I, I don't know. But I do want to, I feel like I need to get right. Lift your hand. Make that public declaration. Say, you know what, I'm going to get it right tonight. I'm going to get it right tonight. The Holy Spirit is in this place, Lord. Thank you. I feel like I need to, don't worry. Oh, man, what are they going to think? Oh, man, my covers are pulled. Don't, don't, don't. That thinking right there was gonna, will, get you, will send you straight to hell. Who cares what people think? It's all about getting it right. Because there's freedom in Jesus. There really is. There's true freedom in Jesus. 
And so if that's you, just say, man, I, you know what? I, want, I, I need to get right with God tonight. I need to get right with the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So for those of you who lifted your hand, I want you to do one thing. I want you to come up here because we want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. Uh, I have Jason and Enrique. We want to pray with you. Come on up. Don't, don't, be, don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. How old are you, Abel? 11 years old. 11 years old. Abel, the things we're preaching on choices and the choice that you make now as an 11 year old will affect you when you're my age and the decision you're making now is, is, is the greatest decision you can ever make so that's it everyone else is on the way to heaven good that's good everyone else is saved you're living right you're not fornicating right everyone else is good praise God you know I, I trust me I usually don't preach like this but I feel the unction of the Holy Ghost to, to, to say it say it if you're not living right you need to you need to make that public declaration you need to do it you need to do it amen I'm, I'm, I'll lead you guys in a, in a prayer of repentance God loves you God's doing a work in your life the fact that you even came up here God's doing it and this is just the beginning this is just the beginning get ready for and just don't look back don't look back amen we got another brother amen my brother Ramiro amen so I'm gonna lead you guys in a prayer of repentance it's not it's not and if, if you guys just if you just everyone here is good you guys stretch your hands forward I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer of repentance. It's not, the, it's not the words, but it's the condition of your heart. The fact that you even came up here is, is, a, is, a, is a, a telling tale that, you, that you're ready. And so repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to come into my heart. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. And I, and I declare that I will live for you the rest of my days in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we pray? Can we guys pray with them? Pray with them. Come on. Give God some praise, man. These people getting right with the Lord. There's a celebration in heaven. Celebration in heaven for one soul. For one soul that comes to Christ. The next call is, we'll do another call. And this is a call for you who say that you might be struggling with pride in your life. Brother Jason talked about pride. He hit it home. If you're dealing with pride in your life, pride... Is a, you think about it, pride is what caused the fall of man. It was a prideful angel. Because of pride, we had to fall. And so pride will destroy you, will destroy families, literally. And so if, you, if that's you, you say, I need, my, I need some pride, come to the altar. Don't stay in your seat. Come to the altar. Come to the altar. There's breakthrough at the altar. If you say, I'm dealing with pride, come to the altar. Brother Enrique talked about not giving up. Come on, if you're in a season of despair, if you're saying, man, I don't want to give up, come to the altar. You need to come. Come out of your seat. Don't stay in your seat. If you need breakthrough, if you need God to do something, you need to come to your, you need to swallow your pride and come to the altar and allow the Holy Spirit to break things in your life. 
Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.